Our scripture reading this morning is from Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Good morning, church. (laughs) Oh, Open your Bibles, please, to Psalms chapter 105 and verse 1. You've got your scriptures with you, Psalms 105 and verse 1. All right, before we get going, I need some prayer, so would you pray with me? Lord, wow, you've heard us sing it, but we are so thrilled that it's true. That of all things that you call yourself, you call yourself love. And we need it. You know us well, and you know how far from acting in love we can be with each other and with you. And so we ask you to please um, continue your promise to hold on to us even when sometimes we're not very lovable. Thank you, Father, for uh, brothers and sisters around this community who are gathering right now also celebrating that love, celebrating your name, celebrating the hope that we have that one day soon we'll get to experience that love face to face. But we lift up in a very special way this morning, Calvary Temple, and I ask that you um, please help Delway bring the word there this morning. Thank you for his love of music and his love of preaching, and uh, he's able to do both very, very well. But uh, we ask you to continue to knit all the hearts of those of us um, who've committed to try to love you back in this community. Please do that in a spirit of oneness. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. If you're visiting with us, you have walked into a day of celebration. The first part of which is celebrating the finish of a 100-day marathon. Beginning back in November, we started running towards a goal as a church of recording 1,000 gifts where we acknowledge how gracious our God has been. Let me see if we're going to work today. Oh, I love it. Chips and salsa from Tiago's. Song services rich and meaningful like the one today. Hot showers. Dependable vehicles. Clean clothes in my closet. A 10-second kiss for marital bliss, one of my faves. Reliable deer feeders. Unexpected drop-ins from your kids. God winks. Dickie's rib specials on Tuesday. Seeing it snow again in Ruidoso. And a blizzard with my good friend, Greg Cummings. The goal was to list 10 gifts a day for 100 days, 1,000 gifts total by the end of February. We just finished that Tuesday, and it felt so good to break the finish line. Why do we go to all this effort to say thank you? Well, there's an entire series about that on our webpage called, what you see here as, as that banner, The Power of Giving Thanks. But I can narrow it down to two reasons. Number one... God is blessed whenever we offer thanks. That ought to be reason enough. But number two is we're better people for them. And if you've been a part of this marathon at all, in any length, in any amount, I guarantee you you've experienced becoming better because you've taken the time to give God thanks. Listen to the word of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Call in His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. David says again, 
Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Paul writes this, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, you present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Boy, I love the truth in that one. Thanksgiving blesses God, but it also makes us better people because joy and peace grow best in a heart cultivated with thanksgiving. So much so that we can give thanks, not just in delightful times, but here's what I love. We can give thanks even in difficult times. That's why Paul encourages us this way. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I know some of you are thinking, that's impossible. That's impossible to give thanks in all circumstances. I, I know it is on your own. But here's what God's trying to say with the, the Spirit's power, with the Spirit's help, with the Spirit enabling you. You and I <clears throat> are equipped to walk across some bridges of discipline that God has given us. Bridges of service, bridges of humility, bridges of worship, bridges of study, and as we're seeing here, bridges of thanksgiving that enable us to enter into a life we could have in no other way. Now, you've heard us talk about all of those things, service, humility, worship, study, thanksgiving, but I'm finding out in these latter years of my life, they're those disciplines some have called it, but really I like the idea, they're bridges on this narrow road. That when I choose to walk over them with the power of the Holy Spirit, life just gets better. It really is that last value of ours out there on the wall that we can live life to the full by walking across some of those bridges. Well, for 100 days, <laughs> we've been purposeful. For 100 days, we've been intentional. For 100 days, we have been deliberate in saying, God, we want to stop and say thank you for these things. Now, I want to say this. If you have not made it to 1,000, no big deal. If you've made it to seven, thank you, God. If you've made it to 70, great. If you've made it to 700, awesome. But if you've made it to 1,000, wahoo! Because I'm telling you, it's been a challenge. That's why I've used the word marathon, because it's felt like that on some days. I wished I would have said 500 at the beginning, okay, not 1,000. I think we could have done just as well with five, right? Some of you are saying yes. But I just looked at a journal out there that has 1,997 thank yous to it. It's one grateful lady. And maybe some of you pale that one in comparison. But I'm at, I got a little bit of a head start on you guys because I wanted to try this thing out for first. I've got right at 1,200 in my journal. I don't know where you're at in that, but here's what Gil and I want to do. If you've made the 1,000 mark right now, we want to celebrate with you in a Thanksgiving dinner at our home. Now, what we want you to do is just go by the Thanksgiving table on, on, on the, on, after services are over. It's out there in the foyer. And pick up a ticket. And the last weekend in March, we're going to try to have you over to our house for a Thanksgiving dinner. Now, if you didn't make the 1,000, don't give up. Because we're going to give you till June 1st to make another 1,000, all right? Now, if you come to our house for Thanksgiving dinner on, on the end of this month, you don't get to come again, all right? Once is enough. 
One ticket. That's all it worth. But I'm just encouraging you. Don't give up. Someone wise once said, we measure what matters. And so that's why we're measuring Thanksgiving. Not because it's, it's the most significant bridge that leads us into life. No, it's just a bridge, God has said, is going to transform our lives. It blesses Him, but it makes us better people. And so we want to celebrate that with you. And we want to keep encouraging those of you who, don't, who maybe started and got bogged down because, man, I just can't do this 10 a day. You keep at it. I had a young lady say last week, I've got 700. I don't think I can do 300 this week. That's okay. June 1st, we're going to take up another census and see how many have gone there, and we want to help celebrate that with you then. But on that day of Thanksgiving, what we want to do is get together with those of you who have filled out your journal and got to that point and just hear some of the things you were thankful for and how it's changed your life like it's changed Gail and mine. I love this. Two sisters of ours were impacted by this. Uh, some of you see this is our, our Key Life journals, but were impacted by, by being in this uh, marathon together, they said, well, you know, I, I just don't want to carry this around with me. So one of my sisters did this. She went to James Avery and picked up a key so that she could keep it on her wrist. She said, you know, carrying it around, that's good, but better is having it right here with me everywhere I go. I didn't get her picture, but another sister picked up the same key and had it placed on a necklace because she wants to wear it around her neck. I think that's just really fun. And it really helps me. I keep one on my cell phone. I think some of you guys picked one up to a sticker and you place it on your cell phone. Now, I want to show you one of the places that Gail Howard put hers. <laughs> Strange places people put these stickers. But we want to put them in places where we can remember, God, you are so worthy of me hunting down some things that you have blessed my life with. Now, if you haven't even gotten started but you'd like to pick up a journal and, and get busy and by June 1st knock out a thousand, we're going to have those journals and stickers out there one more time. Are you getting your preacher thinks this matters? He does. But our eldership knows this matters. And so we're going to stay after that this entire year of being a church that's full of thanks because we believe it's part of the process. Remember, we're also trying to be filled with the Spirit. It's one of those bridges that prepares him room in our lives. Now, I didn't want to leave that up there long. I was hoping there was a black... Okay, we got community groups there. That'll work. Um, out in the foyer is going to be another table today. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Can I go back? There we go. Out in the foyer is another table today. And it's a sign that says community groups. We talked last week about the place community groups has in our church just a little bit. And I want to expand upon that a little bit this weekend. But I'm hoping that you'll take some time and stop by there. And here's why. Because community groups, we believe, as a leadership, will help us with the, the problem of drift. Just like boats drift, if they're not secured to something stable. Just like cars drift, if their drivers aren't paying attention. Human beings drift for the very same reasons. If in our finances or our relationships or our health or our walk with God or with our employment in our jobs, if we're not tied to something more stable than just us, if we're not paying attention to the direction we're going in all of those places, we drift. Now, I know that's probably not a word that you use a lot, but, but it's a word that we all know the meaning of. And we drift in areas of finances, that becomes debt. If we drift in the area of relationships, we experience distance and heartache. 
If we drift in regards to our health, we experience luke, not lukewarmness, but weight and sickness. Lukewarmness comes with when we drift in our relationship with God, right along with disobedience. And I just want to say right now, if you're experiencing drift in any of those areas, hear me clearly. Your time here in these rows of believers is probably not going to help you get connected again to that place you need to be stable in, in your marriage, your finances, your health, because rows aren't enough. Circles trump rows every single time. That's what we talked a lot about last week. If you come to our starting point class, you're going to hear very specifically right up front that we're, we're thrilled that you've been coming to our services. But we want to get you into smaller environments because there, that's where your faith grows deepest. We believe that. And we're going to try to convince you of that there at the starting point class. But it's going to be something we work hard at as a leadership throughout your entire time with the KCC Church. So much so, we changed Greg's title this year from associate minister to connections minister because we really hadn't elevated that part of our body life together to a place we felt comfortable with. We felt like we've got to get people out of these rows and into circles. And so we redefined his role a little bit and even lasered it a little bit so that he knows that's his primary role here, to help us connect ourselves to God and with each other. And we got all kinds of circles for you to get connected with. Men's Bible study on Tuesday morning meets. It's a great circle. Uh, ladies have some great Bible classes here that same day. Wednesday night, we've got some small table talk groups that meet to take this message and go a little bit deeper with it. That, those are fun. Our teen group meets. We've got some ladies that meet over here in, the, in one of the classrooms here and, and circle up to listen to one of Beth Moore or Priscilla Shira or, or some other great teachers. We've got all kinds of circles. And if it's not study circles you want to be involved with, if it's service, we got those. A couple of our guys just got back from McAllen where they went down there to, to help us look into a mission that we want to get more involved with. And it's where they build homes for those who don't have homes down in the valley. And they came back all on fire about having sheetrocked a home that they, were, they could see was going to be taken to a family that really, really needed a place to live. If there's other areas of service that, that you want to be involved with, we've got them. CSI is about to happen April 1st here in our community. Love this. It's where all the believers in Christ come together and just serve because we believe that we can at least celebrate Christ together and serve in His name together. And so we do that through CSI. Come be a part of the circle that's going to go out in our community and help clean up some yards, um, build some handicap ramps, and here's my favorite, slap some paint on some buildings and some beards. I've had it happen both ways. And it is a, a great way to get to know people. Just getting elbow to elbow and serving in a way that, that matters. And so we've got circles that do that. Circles where you can study. Circles where you can serve. But our encouragement is get in a circle of some kind, particularly a community group. You say, well, Jimmy, what are they? Greg sent this to me this week in my office. He said, ideally, they're groups made up of 10 to 15 people who meet in homes minimally twice each month. You've heard enough if you've been around KCC here long, long at all that we've got first and third Sundays that we set aside for our community group Sundays. Now, they can meet elsewhere other than homes, but we want to make sure that wherever you're meeting, that meeting has a chance to get personal and to get prayerful. And if wherever you're choosing to meeting is not facilitating that, we want you to find a place to meet. We do believe, however, that there's no better place than home. 
Prayer and care is the basis of everything that we do in a community group. Now, that's not all they do. If you were to come to our community group uh, about a year ago while we were hosting one, you would come and you'd sing because we love to sing. There's other groups that love to study books of the Bible or inspirational books about the Bible. We've got all kinds of community groups doing different things, but at the basis of it is what we call prayer and care because at the basis of it, you and I need that. I need somebody in my life that when something goes right, is there to applaud with me. I need that. And so do you. And then I need some, somebody in my life, when things are going all wrong, to wrap their arms around me and say, we're going to help you get through this. And you need that too. And so these community groups, these circles we're talking about, they're really not optional. Please hear me. They are not the electives of church life for the KCC Church. Now, they may be at other congregations, but they're not here. Now, we're working on emphasizing this and raising the bar in all of this, but, but you need to know, moving forward in 2017 and 18 and 19, rows don't cut it. We want to move you into circles as quickly as we can because we want to know you and help you get to know us. Three things that Greg says we hope to accomplish in our community groups. One is prayer and care. We just talked about that. The second is this that in those community groups we have found you grow deeper spiritually better than you do here in these rows. I can guarantee you some of you right now are checked out. You're not listening to Jimmy anymore. It's, it's Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. And part of it is because you don't have a voice here. I mean, you don't really get involved with somebody or someplace unless you've got a chance to participate. Well, we want to get you in those circles where everybody has a voice. And we found out that you can only learn and grasp so much here, but in a circle where you're able to share and give and take, oh my goodness, that knowledge and that wisdom goes much deeper, right along with the prayer and care that you receive. But then there's a third reason why that we emphasize community groups here at KCC. It's because it's another door into the church family here. Some folks came into the door of our church family through this assembly. But there are some folks who just, you know, they're not going to say yes to coming with you to a place you worship, but you know what? They'll say yes to coming to a home where you live. And Robertson called me up two weeks ago, and I'm telling you, she was just giddy. It didn't take a whole lot to get that woman giddy, all right? But she was giddy. Jimmy, you're just not going to believe. There's this lady that came to our, our small group. She said, I've just, we've been praying and, and loving on her for years, and I think she's coming to church. Well, she did come to church. She came on Wednesday night, and she's a part of our Wednesday night table talk groups. And our church, I can tell you right now, wouldn't be the same without Renee in it. And her entryway into this church family wasn't through one of these front doors. It was through Ann Robertson's front door. Okay? And so we want to have as many on-ramps into our church family because we're so excited about what God's doing here that we want people to have, especially your home, as maybe a first connect to do that in. So let me encourage you. If you're not in a circle, get there. Community groups is, is the place that we're aiming you first. It's a priority for us. But in any of those other circles, get there, okay? Because we can't take care of you. We can't take care of you. 
We can't hire enough staff. We can't call enough elders to be leaders to take care of all of you. There's too many of us. Over 400 meet here regularly for worship on a Sunday. That can't be handled by a couple of staff people and about eight elders right now. Can't. Now, we can help equip you to serve, resource you, and encourage you while you serve, but we've got to have all of you, every single one of you connected somewhere, or you're going to fall through the cracks, and that'll break our hearts. Because I can guarantee you Satan's going to make it, some of you, I just, you know, circles just aren't for me at all, and you're going to hang out there, be disconnected, and still come, but there's going to come a time when you crash and burn or there's something great going on and you're looking around and there's, just, there's nobody to celebrate with you or to wrap their arms around you because you chose to stay distant and disconnected. All we can do is invite you to come and be a part and encourage you that this is necessary. It's not elective. It's necessary. So let me encourage you to give community groups a try. There's going to be some sheets out there in the foyer that I hope every one of you stop by, pick up, if you're not in a community group, they're going to ask you some questions about, would you like to be in one? Uh, would you like to host one at your house? Maybe not facilitate it or lead it, but hey, my house is your house. Come and use the thing. And it's not a life sentence. We're going to do this for about six months to a year and then reevaluate and ask people, would you like to get off? Would you like to get in? Would you like to re move around? If you're in a community group now and there's another circle of folks that you would like to be a part of, not because this one over here is bad. You just like to expand the circles that you connect with here in our church family. All that can be done through this sheet. Now, all throughout the month of March, we're going to be emphasizing community groups here in this family. And at the end of this, we're hoping to launch two, for sure we're going to be launching two new groups, but hopefully a third as well, and one more by the end of 2017. We need this. And we mean this that seriously, that it's important for you to be involved in one of these circles and not just get used to living in rows. Now, one of the reasons why we um, asked Greg to lead this Connections ministry is not just because he was already the associate minister, but because he's leading he and Debbie in this area of ministry. Since 2005, they have hosted and led a community group in their home. And they will tell you, there are people that occasionally don't make it here, all right, for the rose, for the church service, but they're not missing that small group. They're not missing that community group because it has that much of an impact on their life. And they've helped create an atmosphere and environment for that to happen. So we've asked them to please encourage and resource anybody here who would like to learn how to do that well. They do that well. But Greg and Debbie aren't just leaders in the community group area. They're just leaders. Did you know how they came here 20 years ago? Greg was wrapping up his doctorate of ministry program at Abilene Christian University. One of his mentors suggested that he apply for the preaching job in Kerrville, and so he sent a resume. He received back the standard, we got your resume, but didn't hear anything else. After some months, KCC's youth minister then, Dean Fitch, called him up, and he encouraged Greg to send a second resume along with some sermon tapes. Well, anybody who has ever heard this man preach won't be surprised that an interview for that position came shortly after those sermon tapes arrived. He came to Kerrville on the weekend of November 23, 1996, and Nancy Riley, with her usual attention to detail, 
and her subtle way of getting you to do something for her, organized several small group meetings that Friday night and all day Saturday. Greg said it was like one-shot speed dating, but with a congregation. The goal of which was to see whether or not we were going to get married. Well, on tryout Sunday, he said, I chose to preach a couple of sermons that I had just recently preached back in Houston because I wanted the church here to get a taste of what I would do on a week-to-week basis. Well, the elders in the church were impressed by not only what they heard, but this family that they had just met. Greg said all of us agreed to proceed further, but no commitments were made on that particular Sunday because Greg had another place to try out, and the elders had some time that they needed to get with all of those groups that they, he got to speed date with. Well, as it turns out, the feedback was confirmed just like they thought it would be, and a marriage needed to happen. And so Greg said they returned to Kerrville to preach on December the 8th, and the elders made it official, offering him the position. And he said, I do. Now, I don't know if they got down on one knee. I doubt if they got down on one knee, but I know he said, I do, because he's here. And he's been here for 20 years. He said, from there it took five weeks to say goodbye to the Houston congregation. He said, I've been involved with them for over 11 years, so that wasn't easy. I moved to Kerrville officially and began my work here on January 19th, 1997, almost 20 years ago. He said, Debbie couldn't move here at first. She was a school teacher and needed to finish out the, the year there in Houston. Luke was a freshman at Crosby High School, and he needed to finish out the year there. And so they stayed in Houston while I came and lived here. But Debbie and Luke came up on weekends, every weekend, to see me and be a part of our new start here. I asked them if they moved into a parsonage or a home of their own, and Greg said, no, I stayed in a one-room guest house owned by one of our church members. He said on Saturdays, Debbie and I would, would do a lot of house hunting when we first started looking. But he said, sticker shock just nailed us. And it does. Anybody, I can vouch for this, moving to Kerrville. Wow, pretty prices for a pretty community. He said, our plan was to stay at the guest house here until the house in Houston sold. That didn't happen so well because the housing market was very, very depressed. And so in a step of faith, they stepped out and bought the house that they actually are still living in now, right here across from the golf course. Greg said it really stretched them financially, and it stretched their faith seriously. The house finally sold in Houston, and they were able to get back to living off of the budget of one house being in the bill section. And I love this part. Greg said, um, when we finally bought the house here, this congregation fully opened their arms to us. Members painted the house interior, installed some appliances, lights, turned out and forced to unload two, not one, but two U-Haul trucks. Greg said, what a joy. I had worked all night long loading that trailer alone, those trailers alone. But I didn't have to unload them alone. He said, I got here and there was an army, an army waiting for me. And he said, it made me weep. Not only did we have people to unload the boxes and the furniture, but they also gave us a good old-fashioned pounding where they just loaded us down with all kinds of groceries and some very special groceries, cans that had no labels on them. <laughs> that made for some interesting side dishes. 
And Greg and Debbie have been here ever since. And they serve this church ever since. And I think it's more than a coincidence that the day that we're celebrating their 20-year anniversary with us is a day that we are also in the midst of a series on house fatality. The old saying, mi casa es su casa, is not just a saying with them. They mean it. And they've lived it out in all these 20 years that they have lived here and served here with this church. Community groups, youth functions, opening their home to Katrina refugees, opening their home to new disciples, breaking free from addiction, one of which you'll hear from a little bit later. All of that is just some of the ways that they've used that tool of a home for God's glory while they've lived here. For over 20 years, this church has been blessed by a man who has preached not only biblical sermons, not only applicable sermons, but inspirational sermons. Greg is an accomplished writer and continues to put articles in our bulletin every single week. <laughs> continues to, to edit a lot of the things that I write. He's been a wise counselor who not only listens well, but knows the heart of God well enough to offer advice to you that God would be proud of. He facilitates a class that both informs and helps others contribute. After hearing him conduct a funeral, oh my goodness, it's not only meaningful and poignant and laughter-filled and hope-filled, it makes you want to run up and say, if you're alive when I die, would you do mine? It's a gift. He's quick with a joke, better than most preachers that I've ever heard. And if he has one negative, and he has one, it's that he is restaurant-challenged. The man only likes one place to eat, Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen, of all places. He tolerates everything else, but Dairy Queen is where he'd rather go. Guess where I got to eat when I first came to try out here? He took me to Dairy Queen. I thought, this guy doesn't like me. Honestly, of all the restaurants in Kerrville, he's going to take me to Dairy Queen. I found out later, he only takes special people there. He's been a great friend to me. He's been a great team member that's helped us be fruitful and make our stay here meaningful. But if there's one aspect of his life that he's excelled at more than any other, wife selection. Amen? It's come to my attention from the elders that they have kept Greg as long as I have for one reason, and that was to hang on to Debbie. And she is a servant to the core. She has been a foundation of our children's ministry, our ladies' Bible class. She has made a home, not just for her kids, but for strangers, and now her mom. She really is amazing. There's a lot more that I could say about Greg and Debbie, but I'd be stealing the thunder from some other folks that are going to be sharing some of that after our meal this afternoon. But I do want to close with some words from some men in ministry that have known Greg and loved him for more years than I have. There's a little group of ministers that gather together from the San Antonio area in the Hill Country. Uh, once a month, Lynn Anderson leads that in San Antonio. And Greg's attended that, I think, from its inception. David Allen from the Northside Church says this, I praise God for your authentic concern for people, your thoughtfulness, and your humility. Your dry wit has added much laughter to our group. Congratulations, brother, on 20 years of ministry at KCC. You have blessed them. 
I know because you've blessed my life for years. You've encouraged me. You've challenged me. You've mentored me. You've taught me. And you've made me laugh. Your honesty and your humility and willingness to invest in my life and others has made us all better people. Randy Couchman from Bernie writes, C.S. Lewis once remarked that comrades and friends each uniquely draw something out of us about who we really are, the absence of which would not leave us the same. He says, Greg, your wit has shown me my wittiness on occasion. Your scholarship has challenged me in health, in healthy, helpful ways. Your allegiance to truth has often kept me honest even in more rebellious moments in my life. Your mentoring, even when you didn't intend to be mentoring, has helped me grow. And then the last one comes from Rick Ashley, who now is probably one of the more well-known speakers, not only in our brotherhood, but literally across the country has a very, very large church in the Dallas area, but he was just a junior high student in Greg's youth group back in Houston. He says, Dear Greg, thank you for running such a good race. Your start in ministry inspired so many, especially me. Your middle laps were marked by integrity and faithfulness, and now you're finishing strong. Know that I will always consider you to be one of my spiritual heroes. I hope my life has honored you as much as your life has blessed mine. Let's both keep running till the end. Now, if all that sounds like Greg is about to die, I'm sorry, all right? <laughs> because the truth is, we only hear words like this, isn't it the truth, at a funeral. But we wanted Greg and Debbie to hear these words in their living years. And we wanted them to hear them now, especially on the anniversary of a very, very huge date in anybody's life 20 years in any one place is tough to do well they have made it easy for this church to do it and together I want to invite you as they start walking up to the stage now's your cue to honor with me Debbie and Greg Cummings for 20 years of service And I met every I've got a gift for Debbie, but nothing for Greg. He has the gift right here. Um, there is a gift that we have for both of you guys that we want to share a little bit later. And, um, but right now, we got word from, from someone that um, you don't care too much for foot washings, but you love a pedicure. Is that right? <laughs> and we also understand that on your wedding date, you had daisies. I didn't know whether they were white or yellow, so I got both. <laughs> and we want you to know that we're glad he chose you. Thank you. Y'all can sit down if you want to. <clears throat> I've been asking God all week what I should say up here to tell me what I should say, and he hasn't told me much, which I take to mean Greg don't say much, except to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, 
Every preacher should have the privilege of working for a church like this one, working with a staff like this one, with co-ministers like I work with, with an eldership like this one. I am so fortunate to have been here. When I came to Kerrville, my goal was to last for two years. I knew the congregation was in some turmoil, <clears throat> and I knew I tend to stir that kind of stuff up. <laughs> <clears throat> after one, after six months here, I was hoping it would only last one year. <laughs> and now it's turned into 20 years. Seems like about two years to me. You couldn't have treated a preacher better than you treated me. I'm glad he did. Thank you. Love you. Love you too. <laughs> I hope that you guys are making plans to stay for our potluck lunch. Uh, we've got Ricky's going to be coming up here in just a few moments to give you some specific instructions about how we can, some of you won't believe this, but we'll break this thing down, have tables set up in less than about 15, 20 minutes. And, but we're going to need your help to do that. Um, I want to remind you that, that those of you uh, who have not, again, connected to a community group, please stop out, pick up one of the sheets there, fill them out as much as you can and leave them there. Um, remember the thankful table out here. That's going to be set up out there. We want, if you haven't, um, again, completed a thousand of those thank yous, we want to count how much you have. So come by, write down your name and how many thank yous that you guys have recorded because we want to keep a running track record of that, all right? And then for those of you who have completed the thousand, we've got a ticket that we want to give you for a Thanksgiving dinner, March, I think it's the 26th, but it's the last Sunday of this month. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, what a great couple. Uh, what a great ministry that they have been a part of. Thank you for um, setting this all up 20 years ago to where Greg and Debbie could bring their kids here and um, help us take next steps in being the church that you want us to be. Um, Father, you've allowed me to come uh, after Greg and take that baton, and uh, I just thank you for that opportunity uh, because I would, I would amen and echo the things he said. What a great church. What a great group of brothers to get to serve alongside and under. Thank you, Father, for this morning. You commanded us to give honor to whom honor is due. And we hope we've made you proud this morning. Uh, thank you so very much for uh, loving us in a way that would um, want us to, to celebrate each other, not just one or two people, but what you've done in our midst. And we really have come to do that today. And God, if you've brought someone here today who's not a believer in Christ, but has had a chance to see this kind of love and hear about what you can do in someone's life, uh, we would love to see them baptized into this family and start walking with us. So please nudge their hearts a little bit more and have them come find me and say yes to Jesus today. If you brought someone here who heart, whose heart's breaking and they've been disconnected, uh, they've experienced that drift and right now they're not connected to us or you very closely and they want to start over, please lead them to the shepherds at the back or the front here. And Father, we want to help reconnect them to this incredible family, this incredible circle that you've blessed us with. For we ask us humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's sing. <laughs>